I think it would be useful to say something connecting the meditation guideline, listen deeply, with the final of the six guidelines, listen deeply, speak the truth, right? So, just as opening and attuning to emergence sets the field for listening deeply, listening deeply sets the field and sort of opens up something about the nature of practice of speak the truth. When when we're meditating together, the uh, you know we're uh, forming our local human system. You know, I'll 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 do it as if it's two people because I only have two hands, um, and it's also easier to explain. Um, and if I bring in a third hand, I'll have to, you know, get clever. But so let's just, so, so here you have uh, two of us, you and I, and we're cultivating together um, with the shared intention towards awakening, towards compassion, towards shedding, not accumulating, you know, towards modesty, not self-aggrandizement, all those things that we talked about, which is the direction, the point of the path. So we're developing sati in service of that, in service of that release. So uh, sati is recognizing this sensitivity of body-mind and the knowing of it rather than fusing and becoming lost in identification with it. So there's a knowing that is not um, uh, lost in delight or aversion and so on. And so when I pause and there's this you know kind of establishment of some brightness, then that impacts you. And so your sati is supported. And when you pause, it impacts me. And just from the standpoint of two human beings doing something together, uh, talking together, for example, um, just the fact that we're together paying attention to this moment with each other, just I'm listening to what you're saying in a very mundane sense, and you listening to me, and we're showing up. So that energy, the virya, to use the Pali, is is sustaining the sati and mindfulness between us. Like you know, when I flag your attention, actually, or just your very presence says, oh, I think I'd better stay awake. There's someone in front of me. You know, I'm talking, I'm engaged. And you do the same. And so, as I said on our first day, this is the candle in the house of mirrors kind of effect, you know, that 
light of awareness vibrates between us and the energy is sustained, the sati increases, it's amplified, it's accelerated. Likewise, when you're calm, settling, and I'm with you, whether or not I'm agitated, if I'm paying attention, if I'm showing up at all, if I'm able to show up at all, which I may not be, right? Because we're all so easily triggered and kind of crazy most of the time. So, you know, I just want to say that I feel a lot of compassion for sometimes we just can't be there at all. But if I can show up at all and you're rested in the moment, then there's a kind of a borrowing of that sati, of that samadhi. It's like a, a co-regulation that occurs where I begin to settle. And if I settle, it brings you to settle. So now we have a, a reverberation and amplification, a sustaining of the samadhi, of the pasadi, the, of the calm and the gathering of the mind. And again, to remind you that, of course, we know the dynamics where we excite each other into uh, identification and reaction. That's just life as normal. I don't really need to talk about it too much, but I just want to point out it's the same sensitivity to other human beings that we've evolved for hundreds of thousands, yay, millions of years at work here. Right? So, so the self-unit, the sense of I am and the individuality that we uh, fixate on the sense of me and all of my problems and all of my desires, this, you know, the kind of the life we usually live in this wrapped up sense, right? Uh, every time I pause with you, I'm dropping a little bit of that in order to show up here and you likewise. And when we get to this guideline open, then the perception of this compact uh, unit of a self is beginning to be questioned. We're actually giving attention to the internal, the external, the both, the all, in a way that directly confronts a lifetime of conditioning of me as an isolated unit living in here, completely separated from you, and at best, two isolated units interacting, interreacting typically, but let's just say interacting. And, uh, but now, pause, relax, open. It's like, wow, you know, what is this internal? What is this external? We begin to see the fabricated nature of that. Experience it. It's not conceptual. This is direct from your practice. So open. And when open meets open now, there's just awareness. It's just rising and vanishing. And the mind may, based on a lifetime, many lifetimes perhaps of habit, 
once again land on some sensory experience, including its own internally generated emotions, and fixate and collapse into the self-construct. Fine. You notice that. Pause. Relax. Remember, you're supported by the presence of another who maybe didn't collapse or who collapsed and you collapsed and there you are just interreacting like normal life. But then someone like a meditation teacher rings a bell and interrupts you. Well, that was such a great conversation. Oh my God, I was totally off in bozo land there. You know, I was totally in identification. Pause, relax, open. Right? So here we are. It's just awareness. That's all it is. But it's just not as driven by the habit to collapse into an isolated, individualized self that, by the way, just happens to be, now that it's all of those things, lonely, alone, alienated. You know, it's a sad state, this heroic, shrunken life. So, now there's this uh, dwelling in the rising and vanishing. We attune to it, perhaps. We get more sensitive to it. Rising and vanishing. Listening to it is a recognition, not merely the thought, but the whole body-mind recognition that there's no, there's nowhere to land. There's nothing here. It's just rising and vanishing. And the knowing itself is, you know, when, when the separation of me and world begins to diminish, the knowing and rising and vanishing are all just directly experienced. But even to just get a glimpse of this insubstantiality with the benefit of the stabilization from our shared practice and our sati and samadhi, you know, and then we can move with it. So it's here. All of this is an introduction to listening and speaking, you see. So it's here that, the, that, that there's a receptivity, let's say, here I am listening like this vibrating, sensitive, you know, body-mind that I am. And here you are, you know, and there's this uh, movement within you, this recognition of something of the nature of the experience in this moment. And you're saying, what is it that would be spoken now? And you don't know. That's the emergence. You're in the emergence. You're in the rising and vanishing. I don't know. Let's have a look. And so sati, mindfulness, is knowing as much as it can experience. What's to be said now? Now, the contemplation if there is one, if it's not just like, what is this experience right now, which is totally valid. But if there is this 
other contemplation, like something on the nature of craving, of tanha, of thirst, you know, and the kind of the the longing that pushes the body mind through its conditioned life. Right? Oh, what is that thirst for identity, for becoming? I want to be seen. I want to be acknowledged, uh, but that doesn't feel true right now. You know, and you just pause, relax, open. What's true? You. But maybe sometimes you kind of get a little bit disoriented because you're sitting here trying to touch something that is without language, that is subtle, and maybe that's not so comfortable, you know? Because Dhamma goes to reveal things as they are. Sometimes they're messy, right? So, pause, relax, open, attune to emergence. And you notice that you're with another being you're in relationship and that quality of listening is as if drawing out the speech it's it's making it's the field like if you were alone just ask yourself this question if you were alone contemplating would you speak these things i doubt it i doubt it very much but with someone there and there's this kind of intrinsic, you know, metta, this, this receiving friendliness. It's like, okay, what would be spoken? What's true? There's no rush, you know? You say, oh, yeah. I feel like when I'm not seen, and you kind of try and touch something that's down, you don't even know where it is, it's kind of an emptiness that really scares me to not exist and you give yourself that time and you manage to find some words for that wordless uh, fear of non-being, perhaps. And you speak it, received, and there it is, just right there, you know. Now, Let's say that you're in this form of practice that doesn't have formalized taking turns because that's a learning process and that's a, an assistance to practice sometimes. But let's just assume the flow of meditation, you know. So I may speak, noticing how listen deeply, how I receive your humanity, touched by the fear, by the pain, the tenderness, I completely feel it because obviously this is something that's common to all human beings, this urging to exist, to be and to stabilize this existence. And to, it's always fragile, right? It's always fragile. And it's like, oh yeah. And I sit here and... But maybe before I would go speak. Maybe something else has emerged because you're also sitting in this field of your own speech. You understand? It's just this moment. What is true now? How do I speak this truth? Because in meditation, the only truth we're talking about is the truth of subjective experience. That's what meditation is about, right? It's not like the truth of the political world 
or the truth of the social world, what is known here, which could include our response to the political or social world. But that's what we mean when we say speak the truth. So it's known by mindfulness, not by thinking it out or going out and getting more facts, right? And so our practice continues, and by the very act of speaking, this experience that just a moment ago was utterly wordless, right? In order to speak it, I've had to form it enough to give it words. I've taken this inchoate kind of just like, "Mm, I don't know. And somehow the mind has managed to give it some worded form and spoken it. And when I do so, I hear it for the first time, just as you do. You see that? You come to know what you didn't know because you had to clarify it enough to express it. It's an astonishing thing that we do when we speak. And no longer are we taking it for granted. No longer is it just an automatic, dare I say, mindless expression. It's a whole other order. And it's connected with this very present moment, even if my contemplation seems to be like, you know, uh, something like death. Death now? Yeah, it's just a concept. Or let's say, reflecting on, as I often do, what is the experience of your experience of giving, of being generous and acting on that generosity? Say, wait a minute, so you think of all all these times I've given and it's just I go into the past and I tell you my story? No. Bring it in. There's the contemplation. Pause. Present the contemplation to the mind. And what is known now as a result of that? So I'm actually having an embodied present moment experience that is, uh, you might say, initiated by this reflection of giving, of my act of giving. I've, you know, and So now I can touch it, I can feel it in the heart, I can feel it in the belly. I can tell you the facts of it. Oh, well, I was in India and there was, and this is a true story, I'm in India, and the image arises, and I pause, and I feel the feelings of it, a kind of a, almost tears and there's someone sitting in a crowd all just countless people flowing by and this person is wrapped up in their shawl their hand like this just this grizzled old hand and everybody's walking by and I took a coin out of my pocket and I put it in their hand and I pushed it into their palms so they could not only know it was there but they could feel me as a human being feeling them as a human being 
and the registration of that to this very day uh, is living, you know, I can feel it living in my throat and in my very, very humbling sense of connection with this degraded human being trying to survive. So I have brought to you what lives without words, the images, the feelings. I've put it into language. And now for me, of course, the image has clarified and uh, taken on a certain uh, specificity that in the general, oh, you know, you have a, just a general recollection. It's just, it just depends how long you dwell with it, maybe. But And now, listen deeply, depending on how you were listening as I was speaking, right? You receive the words, but you're also receiving my pauses. You're receiving my tone of voice. So there's the mind-to-mind contact that happens when that comes through your musical system and your word system to form the experience of, oh, Gregory just said this, you know, and I got this from it, you know, whatever that is. Wham. So with Speak the Truth, we're resting on an understanding not only of the subtlety of speech, speaking and listening, communicating with words, but also the power of it. This mind-to-mind contact is how hatred moves, it's how wisdom moves, it's how we express and, and find each other, along with, of course, the body presence and so on. And, wow, don't we forget this? Don't we lose track of it? You know? Hey, close the door! You know, it's like even that, just the tone kind of hurts to say, right? But that's how we are. You know, got to cut ourselves some slack. But when we meditate together, we're unlocking that power in service of insight, in service of that immediate experience of compassion that doesn't require a segmented practice of compassion. It is living compassion in that contact. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the the dynamic experience of it. So as easy as it might be to dismiss speech as conceptual, distracted, Uh, a problem, shallow, Uh, uh, 
you lose a lot when you do that. Conversely, if we can bring it into our meditation practice with a respect for its power and recognize that speaking is itself a practice, we're not just bringing it into the practice, it is practice, then perhaps we can begin to crack this nut of division and find you know, that the meditation runs right through it, that the wisdom element is alive, amplified by the relational quality. So with that in mind, uh, let's take a couple of minutes just to sit silently, I think. I'll then ring a bell and that will give us um, five minutes to attend to the body as needed. And then we would be back together at 37 minutes after the hour. So I'll ring a bell in two minutes. Thank you.